Gennaro Rewind, hosted by Matt Namofsky. Hello, NRL fans, and welcome back to the NRL Rewind podcast. I'm your host, Matt Namofsky, and welcome back to the Sunday session, a huge round 10 recap. I've got two of the best here. I've got Johnny. Johnny, how are you, mate? To Nathan Cleary owner, so very well, thank you. Yeah, let's skip that. Ryan, how are you, mate? <laughs> I'm doing good, thank you. Thank you for having me again. No worries. And boys, you know, this is the round 10 recap. We're going to talk about Supercoach. We're going to talk about the NRL. I think the one place to start has to be uh, the implementation of the new rules, uh, NRL crackdown on neck and head impact injuries. So that's the big talking point. Ryan, let's start it up with you here. Lots of sim bins, lots of send-offs. What's your initial thoughts? Obviously, Overall, do you think it's good for the game to get the head stuff out of the way? And to the implementation of it, how do you think it's gone? I think um, in terms of the game, yeah, it's it's good for player welfare. Um, it's heading in the right direction. I think they need to slightly uh, tweak the rules a bit. I think um, the good thing was that it was consistent between all the games. You know, um, there was um, sin binnings and send-offs for pretty much most of the games. And, you know, they were quite uniform across the um, all of them, but I think that you know there are some situations where you know the accidental and unavoidable, like uh, everyone's saying, Teddy, you know, he drops down in the tackle. Um, some of those rules need to be interpreted a bit differently, I think. And I guess moving forward um, this week, maybe they'll tweak it a bit more. So I guess it's a step in the right direction, but um, yeah, I'm not too sure if it's the right thing for do for Magic Round, like a lot of people have been saying. Yeah, good points. And Johnny, I guess the big talking point there is the direct contact to the head, forceful contact versus incidental. Um, like we said, the, the the player's sliding in. There's no more looking at if a player is sliding in or falling in a tackle. It's just contact to the head, yes or no. What's your thoughts? I know you're, you're feeling pretty strong on it. Yeah, well, you know, I remember after watching the Friday night games, I was blowing up galore. I was... Yeah, with all the commentators saying like, you know, this is this is not rugby league. Um, but I got to admit, by the end of the round, I've, I've sort of um, I've, I've sort of gone with the story that you know Peter Valandis has gone with that you know it's it's short term pain for long term gain. Um, but I feel like just with this round, there's there was a, just lacking a bit of common sense. Uh, you know, some of the sin binnings were um, you know with with the Tyson Gamble one. Um, you know, the, the, the other bloke got up straight away. It didn't really in, impact, um, you know, this, the seagulls whatsoever. So, look, I, I get that there'll be a bit of teething, but um, overall, I think, you know, if they're trying to rule it out, like, you know, the punches, the spear tackles, the cannonball, at the end of the day, we don't want to see lose players like Ryan Madison or, um, you know, Teddy, Teddy to all these concussions. So I think overall it's a good thing. Yeah, I guess my views on it is, again, I'm with you guys. Some of the, the sim binnings were a little bit, you know, touch and go. But when you look at the three send-offs, I think they're all pretty valid send-offs. Probably he did make direct contact to the head on a shoulder charge. Uh, you had Fuimaono, late shot high on Pappenhausen. And in that last game, you had um, SESE just rush out of the line and put, put a shot on. So I think those three are the kind of tackles and contacts we want to get out of the game. I think that's all... You know, yeah. direct contact to the head, forceful, reckless. You know, we'll go, they'll go to the judiciary and there'll be some big charges there. But I think some of the small stuff, they'll weed that out eventually. You know, the loose arm, like that last one in the in the Panthers game, the Moses Leota <laughs> off the kick, you know. Yeah, it grazed him, but 
you know, Fogarty stay down for the extra five seconds to get to get that sin bin done. So, look, yeah. they'll tweak it as you guys said, and yeah, moving forward, you know, some of the you know this is contact or sorry, this is uh Oz tag and this is touch. I think that's a little bit out of bounds. <laughs> Um, but they're going to get there. And I think you guys both make good points, you know, first round, Ryan made a good point there. A lot of people saying, you know, is magic round the best, best place to do it in front of 140,000 people over three days? Mm -hmm. Probably not. But at the end of the day, whether it was Anzac day, indigenous round, magic round, the first round of the finals, we had to do it. We had to do it. So it's it's a story we'll track to see if they're going to make any slight changes to it. But yeah, I just wanted to address that kind of at the start because, it does play quite a bit of role in all these games that we're about to talk about here. Let's dive into it. And also, oh, yeah, go, go right. Also, just one more thing to add on. I think it's obviously the first week that the players are dealing with these rules. But as the weeks go on, the players are going to start learning and adapting to the new rules. And we're going to see less and less sin bins and send offs just because they learn. And that's the whole point of this rule change. Like, yes, it is, there are some issues with you know the interpretation, but and um, the players will adapt to the rules, and I think we're going to see a better, uh, a, a, we're going to see less simbins and a better game in the future. Yeah, hundred percent. All right, we'll get into it, boys. Eight games to cover. First game of the round, the West Tigers. I guess we can say hosting the Newcastle Knights up there at Suncorp, <laughs> and the Tigers absolutely rolling the Knights, uh, thirty-six to eighteen winners. Nomus, you have to explain your boys here, but I'll just kind of just, I was at a pub at uh, work drinks. Had the TV on up up the front near the bar and, you know, I'm having a couple of beers, talking to some people. I look up and it's about 18-0 to the Tigers and I'm I'm stunned. So, Nomis, what's happening with your teammate? What's going on with the Newcastle Knights? Look, I don't think we need to spend too much time on this. Um, <laughs> but, geez, you know, I remember looking at Team List Tuesday and everyone was thinking, what the hell, Maguire? But, you know, he, he literally pulled out a rabbit out of the hat in Magic Round, because it was just a masterstroke. He would have been like, you know, Hugh Jackman in the prestige, just stroking his moustache after, you know, seeing what Adam Dewey did in the centres. Look, the Knights, Adam O'Brien, you know, he tore this team to shreds, saying like, you know, we've got to shake that losing culture. And I hope we see, you know, a, a sort of shake up by the, you know, take take a leaf out of Magic's book. And maybe we, we do need a shake up in some of the players because, you know, the effort isn't really there and it's... Man, I'm not going to judge the boys too harshly, considering there was no Kalen Ponga. But you know, it to to lose both both games against the Tigers in 2021. It's yeah, as a Knights fan, it just leaves you a bit speechless, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. And Ryan, does this speak more to you about Newcastle's downfall or the potential for the Tigers to kind of make a little bit of a run here and turn it around? I think it's more of the the Newcastle downfall than sort of West Tigers making a run for it. Um, you know, I did criticize the Tigers last week, but you know, um, the West Tigers they played well. They played, you know, Luke Brooks had a good game. Adam Dewey, you know, he's been a good player, so he's going to play well anywhere. I think the biggest downfall was the Knights. They couldn't complete. You know, I think they had sixty nine percent of their completions in the sets, and that's not going to win you any games. Um, so, you know, they took the opportunity to score and they started off well and then the Newcastle Knights couldn't hold them off. So I think the Newcastle Knights have some, you know, pretty big problems and it's not really the West Tigers, but, you know, it is a win is a win for the Tigers. They'll take it. Yeah, 100%. And, Nom, the forward pack, you know, the, that Newcastle forward pack before the season started, I was so high on them. I had them as a top three forward pack in the comp. 
yes, look at, you know, that front row combination of Clemmer and Saifidi should be rolling over teams and having guys like Fitzy, uh, Barnett and, you know, Watson rolling through. It's just not happening for them right now. And, you know, you did mention there a bit of a shakeup. Is a guy like David Clemmer, uh, is he en route for a, a trip to reserve grader on the bench, in your opinion? Um, that, that's a tough one. You know, going into the season, there were questions about about Clem already. The fact that he wasn't included in a five-man captaincy circle there. Um, look, I, I don't think... Uh, I'm not going to... I don't want to, like, put pressure on any particular players, but just all across, what I will say is that I know we had the roster, a top eight, even top four roster here, but it's just that, yeah, the, the fact that we're not winning these games where we should be winning... It's 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 just a roller coaster that us Knights fans, you know, over the past five years, two wooden spoons. Um, yeah, it's it's tough. It's a tough one to, to stomach. Yeah, I guess my, the the closing point for me on this game, you know, the Tigers had a good game. I'm like Ryan. I don't think they're going to go on a run here. I think they're still going to be, be struggling for some consistency around their star players, but it's a step in the right direction. This is definitely more to me on the Newcastle side. It shows yeah. such an over reliance on Mitch Pearce in this team. You know. Yeah, you know, if KP's there, yep, the results may go differently. But ever since Mitch Pierce has left this uh, lineup, you've just seen a glaring hole. And, you know, he's early 30s, uh, you know, re-signed for one year. But to me, you can't have – this can't be like a manly with turbo leaning on one guy. It looks like Mitch Pierce is when – you, when you pull him out of the attack here, it just lacks. So Adam O'Brien, he wants to get that stink of the couple of wooden spoons out of this side. Um, but yeah, it's, it's going to be a tall order because that, a performance like that is going to stick around with them. So hopefully they can rebound next week. Uh, but it's, it's going to be, uh, like you said, two losses to the Tigers in 2021 um, may hurt their top eight chances. So it'll be interesting moving forward. We'll move on to the next game, guys. Ryan, you can take the lead here. You had Manly players galore in your super coach side. Manly 50 defeating the Brisbane Broncos 6. How do you see this one going, Ryan? Obviously, turbo show again. Jason Saab scoring tries left and right. How, what happened to you? Mate, I think this one had a big influence through the uh, Sindins, you know. Um, I think the Broncos actually didn't play as bad as we thought. But, you know, like you said, it's the Tommy Turbo show. But once those Sindins came, um, it was about three tries in that space of 10 minutes, and that really affected it. And um, like Johnny said in the beginning, um, that Tyson Gamble sin bin wasn't really warranted. It's a bit over the top, but um, I, I guess this is a result that we all expected, you know, a thumping by the Manly Seagulls. And yeah, everyone, you know, even even though they lost um, Kieran Foran early, uh, he scored me four points. Uh, you know, they still played well. They covered it. Josh Schuster, you know, he played, he played well. And, you know, it just show, goes to show, you know, how far the Seagulls have come. Yeah, 100%. And Johnny, I guess, you know, how far Manly have come. We've also still seen here that Brisbane is still very prone to dropping the heads and letting some scores get on them, you know. A couple of weeks of, you know, good performances against good teams, but they're still prone to leaking that 40-pointer every now and again. What are you seeing from Brisbane here? Um, Look, I mean, to Ryan's point, the fact that Brisbane played about 10 minutes with 11 players... Um, yeah, that, that really killed them. And I think that was supposed to be the wake-up team for all the other you know, six teams to play this weekend that, you know, these sin bins are coming. And, you know, once you're with 11 players on the field, Turbo just, you know, ran, ran a mark. Um, what I'm really impressed with is Jason Saab from the Seagull side. They've really 
found out how to use him. He's, he's essentially, you know, Daniel Tupo, the draft 2.0, but with speed to burn. Um, you know, they just get him early ball. He just streaks down the sideline. You got Turbo supporting. It's it's game over. Um, yeah, when, when Turbo's in the side, it's yeah, it's it's scary. Yeah, and Ryan, this manly forward pack, you know, we spoke about it on our preview show, but one of this, you know, this forward pack shouldn't be rolling the way it's rolling. And, you know, they've got players out, the players coming back in, and they're still getting the job done here. But that's laying a good platform. You know, Kieran Foran did exit this game. But I thought Daly Cherry Evans had an outstanding game here, and he really was the vocal point in a lot of things. What are you seeing from Cherry Evans kind of warming into this role now that Turbo's back and he's got a little bit, little bit less pressure on him? Yeah, I think Terry Evans has been great in the past few weeks. Um, I think Cooper Cronk was saying, and I said in the group chat, the biggest difference is Turbo is Turbo is on the field is you know attracting defenders, so it sort of relieves the pressure. You know, Terry Evans doesn't have to do everything. Um, you know, you've got two big, dangerous players there, so you know it's relieving that pressure. So Terry Evans can sort of um, work his magic a bit, and. It, in terms of the uh, opposition, you know, they're not, they're a bit worried. Like, you know, they, before that, they maybe knew that everything was going to go through Cherry Evans, but now they've got Turbo, who's so dangerous out the back. So they're sort of second guessing. So that's what's helping Cherry Evans develop his game. Yeah. And you did mention the Kieran Foran injury. Looks like Cade Cuss will just slide into the six there, or potentially if Curtis Sirenen comes back, Josh Schuster can slide into the six. So they've got some options there to cover it. Johnny? From a let's go a bit super coach here. This is the first real uh, game of super coach consequence. Turbo. Now, obviously, we'll talk about what Cleary's done um, at the end, the last game of this round. But in terms of the fullbacks, if we do a redraft today and we know that we're getting twenty six games out of Turbo, uh, Turbo or twenty six games out of Teddy, who who goes number one in in a redraft here? Because the way he's the last five rounds, his performance has just been outstanding. What's he averaging now? 100, 120 odd? Um, look, we all we could never write off Teddy, but geez, I think, um, you know, bar his, his crappy hamstring, everyone knows that when Turbo's on, he can really put on put on the um, the scores because he is just involved in, he's got his little hands in every single thing that the Seagull is doing, whether, you know, it's supporting, it's um, running a, um, running the sweet play, he's, yeah, he, he's pivotal for them. Yeah. And Ryan, last one on this one, mate. I did mention that you have all the manly players. So you've got the two wingers, Garrick and Saab. Saab, you know, crashed over for his three tries and, you know, Garrick was struggling to find a line here. But I guess just from you, you, you've you been seeing this team a lot the last couple of weeks. Moving forward, you know, they've got a huge game against Parramatta next week that we'll probably talk about in our preview show. Mm-hmm. This could potentially be a game of the season with the way these two teams are playing, couldn't it? Oh, yeah, 100%. I think um, the Seagulls, you know, it's going to be a huge test for them. Um, they played Penrith a couple of weeks ago and they, you know, they scored the most points against the Penrith side in this whole season. So I think, and the Eels, you know, they're flying high. They've won nine of their first 10 games. So, um, you know, this is some real competition for them, the Seagulls with Tommy Turbo, see if they can stop him. Um, so, yeah, I'm really interested to see how that goes. And in terms of the wingers, yeah, Jason Saab, you know, he came from the Dragons. You know, I was a bit, um, I, I doubted him a bit, but, you know, they've really unlocked, you know, his potential really. Um, and Garrick, what can you say? You know, he didn't score a try, but he scored 90 something points for me on super coach, you mm. know, a lot of base and he, and he kicks well, he kicked like what eight goals or something. So that's valuable for me. Yeah. hundred percent, hundred percent. 
move on to the first Saturday game. It was the Kenry Bankstown Bulldogs being defeated by the Canberra Raiders 20 to 18 here. It was a back and forth game, Ryan, in this one. You know, the you had the Papali send-off, which was the huge first big, I guess, suspension that's come out of this round. You had also Jack Wyden going off, but Canberra was able to rally back from a deficit and take the win here. What did you see from Canberra bouncing back after their five losses to in a row there? Well, I mean, the Raiders really needed that win, you know, even though it wasn't a, you know, a good win, it was an ugly win, but, you know, they did it. Um, the Bulldogs, you know, credit to them. Um, they got, they, they scored a couple of tries against the Raiders, but, you know, they just didn't know how to finish the game off. And that just shows the Raiders' um, experience in the halves. They stood up towards the end with, I think, 12 players or 11 players for a period of time, you know, and they got across the line. But, you know, the Bulldogs, uh, I guess, you know, they're getting, they're slowly getting there. But, um, yeah, these Raiders, um, I still wouldn't be pleased if I was a Raiders fan, you know, winning 20 to 18 over the Bulldogs, you know, in the last minute. <laughs> no, and I guess I'll throw this one to Johnny now because, I think the Raiders came up against the only team they could do that to this week. There was no, if they versus any other team, I think they get, they don't, they don't mow them down like they did. The Bulldogs, you know, they, it was a huge call to drop Kyle Flanagan. You know, me and Ryan were pretty critical of it on the preview show, but you know, Jake Averillo, Brandon Wakeham, and a couple of the other guys there, they stood up and they did a job. So I don't think Kyle Flanagan will walk back into this side, but a performance like this from a, let's go from a Bulldogs perspective, Johnny. If you're a fan, are you feeling confident now that you're starting to? you know, find potentially combinations and keeping the games close, or you're still just kicking yourself because this is a game that you should have really won. Yeah, this was one of the few games I did get to watch in full, but it was really the Bulldogs to lose, uh, you know, after they scored two tries after halftime. Um, it came at, uh, it was just really, there was a really critical moment when Jake Avrilo, it was it was the last tackle. He kicked the ball into the, into the in goal for giving the Raiders seven tackles. And after that, I think Adam Elliott also, you know, he gave away a penalty and that was just that completely swung the momentum towards the Raiders' way. It was just a lot of inexperience from the halves. You know, you had Jake Avrilo, um, Brandon Wakeham. Looking into next year, they're going to have Matt Burton. They just really need, you know, someone to steer this team around because at the moment, um, that you know, they when everything went right for them, they just didn't know how to close it. Yeah, to me, this was a game of who had the better dummy half. I thought, you know, both teams, you know, the it was streaky attack. It was okay defense. But you saw the Sione Katoa and Brad Dietz versus Tom Starling and Josh Hodson combo really got them over the line because, you know, the Canberra boys were getting really good service out to George Williams. He was able to really lay on some platform there. Ryan, moving forward with this Raiders, so we talked a little bit about it on the preview show. They've obviously got the win here. They needed to get the win. It was nearly you know, sees on the line type of stuff here. We need to see them moving forward. We're going to have no Papa Lee. They're going to have no Jack Wyden, at least for next week. Moving forward, chances are at least six weeks away. Realistically, in the next six weeks, can they really, like, get back into the winning ways or are we going to just see them kind of level out and, you know, the season's going to kind of get away from before Chance gets back in this lineup? Yeah, I don't see them getting any better, to be honest. You know, you've said that they lost Papa Lee. Um, the good thing is they have a good depth in the, you know, the forwards. But, you know, I expected the Raiders to put on, you know, quite a big number on the Bulldogs in this game. And to only win by two points, that just shows how, you know, how far they've dropped off from their original standard. And, you know, if you can't, if you're only going to beat the Bulldogs by two, how, you know, what about the next few weeks? You know, 
I don't see them getting any better. Um, they might win a few here and there, but you know they're not going to get back to their peak. It's funny yeah. you mentioned that, uh, Ryan, because in the next two weeks they versed. Let's see, next round they versed the Storm, Storm, and the following round they versed the Roosters. So I don't see any wins before that by round in thirteen. Yeah, that's, that's a that's a brutal stretch. And one guy I do want to give a bit of a shout out from the Bulldog side is Luke Thompson. I thought since he's come back from his suspension, he's just been a he's been a motor in the middle of that field. And I think they wouldn't be as close as they would be in some of these games without him. Some of their forward play really has been very poor. You know, you look at Hetherington, Napa, Ogden, all when they've been in there, just not offering any impact and, you know, laying a platform. Luke Thompson has been doing that consistently since he's come back from suspension. So I just wanted to shout out him because, you know, Supercoach is averaging around that 65, 70, but even just in terms of NRL, he just middle of the field. He's holding that down for them as best as he can. So just, yeah, give a bit of a shout because we did give him some preseason love. Um, he's been doing nothing wrong there. Yeah, yeah cool. We'll move on to the second game on Saturday. It was the Cronulla Sharks 22, defeated by the South Sydney Rabbitohs 32. And this was a weird one. I'll, I'll throw it to Ryan first. You know, this one here could have gone either way. Both teams got belted last week. Uh, injuries across both sides. But to me, the Rabbits got the win. But again, not convincing at all. You know, they're going to be a top four threat like we think they need to. They're going to get Latrell back next week, but yeah, I don't know. There's something missing in this team. What, what's your thoughts here? Yeah, I didn't watch too much of this game, but like you said, yeah, it, it's 22 points scored against them. You know, they got away off the win and Adam Reynolds is back, I think, you know, made a big difference. Um, but yeah, they're just, you know, top four side, but they're not playing as well as the Storm and the Penrith. Um, I think when the troll comes back, it will make a huge difference. They can have Cody Walker and Reynolds back you know, in the halves, and then they have Benji off the bench when, you know, whenever they want as a luxury. And then you've got, you know, the big gun at the back, Latrell. So, um, you know, yeah, I'm not too sure, you know, what's going on with the, uh, the Rabbitohs actually. But, you know, the, the Sharks did put in a good effort to get to 22 points. Yeah. yeah. Um, with the Rabbitohs, it... I think, you know, looking at this final score, a lot of people question, you know, where's this 80-minute performance going to come from? Because, you know, at one point, if it was the, like you said, Penrith or the Storm, you would have thought that the Rabbitohs would have ran away with it. But they, they did let the Sharks back in. Um, yeah, it, it's interesting. But we, we have to remember that the Rabbitohs do have some troops to come back. They are still missing, um, you know, Latrell. They are still missing Cameron Murray. Um, and they are still missing Campbell Graham as well. Yeah, some big inclusions to come back into the side. It's just, to me, the the, the attack just looks very clunky. And, you know, they scored 32, so people might say, oh, look, the attack's back because they've gone over 30 here. But it was an, it was an inconsistent 30, in my opinion. You know? I thought their forwards laid good platforms, but, you know, Cook had an okay game. Reynolds and Walker and Benji played their part. You know, Walker got a double there, but... There's just not that potency that I want to see. And there's not that killer instinct of putting the foot to the throat like we saw the other two teams that Ryan mentioned, the Storm and the Panthers, do this week. And this Sharks team, you know, Sean Johnson pulled out late in the week. So that, that should have been a huge out for them. But, you know, they were still able to score 22 points. And obviously their defense has been lacking since John Morris has left the club. But, Johnny, fr- from a from a Sharks side here, we spoke about it. The We were on the podcast, the... The round after John, or the round that John Morris got sacked, and we said it couldn't go either way here. It could either be these boys really rally around and you know put a one big fight in for the season, or it could slip away. And it looks like we've seen the latter here because you know the def- defense wins comps, as we've always said. 
and their defense has been it's not it's not even lacking. It just hasn't been existent. So, what's your, what's your thoughts on the on the Sharks going forward? Are they a bottom four side in your opinion for the rest of the year? Uh, look, I, I think the effort is, is still there. The fact that they, they, they did come back, but it, I think, um, yeah, it's going it's to be hard to get the motivation going. And unfortunately, you know, it, it does look like they should probably look to next season. And, you know, with Chad Townsend there, I mean, you know, once Sean Johnson comes back, is it going to be Matt Moreland and Sean Johnson and just flicking Chad Townsend? Because now that they've lost Adam Reynolds, what are they going to do with the Haas going forward? We know that Townsend's not going to be there. Yeah, it's a great point, Ryan. What's your opinions on that? You know, the players that leave clubs mid-season and they're going to go to another club the next following one, you know, does that coach have any, you know, obviously pick, try and pick your best players to win. But if you're someone like the Sharks who, you know, top eight's starting to slip pretty far away from you now, is it time to hook Chad Townsend and, you know, give, you know, Billy Trindle or Matt Moyland or ex-half in the comp another run to see what you've got there to, you know, have at least a half a season play here? Yeah, I think it just depends on every club's position. Um, you know, like if, if, you know, if a club really needs a, a player, then they, you know, they have no choice. But if, you know, they've signed to another team and, you know, they're, they're, they're not really um, going to be needing them this season and they've got the luxury of, you know, some young young kids coming through, then I think they, they should use that as a, you know, as a, a way to get them some experience so they're not, you know, too fresh, get some, you know, how's the pairings going, the combinations going, you know, if the season's going to be a write-off, then we might as well, if they're not going to be here next season, but, you know, if the season's on the line or, you know, their finals contention, you might as well make the most of them if they're, you know, yeah. crucial to your team. Yeah. I think Todd Payton did a really good job of that. You know, when Jay Clifford signed with the Knights, he only played the one game and then got dropped. Now, through injuries, he's had to bring him back in, which is, you know, you got to pick your best seven and try and win a game, but see, seeing what else you have in your club is also a good way to do it. And we'll finish this one by just mentioning that, you know, next week, another huge clash. We've got the Panthers versus the Rabbits at Penrith Stadium. So that's going to be a huge test. You know, we talked about the Rabbits and trying to find some form as a top four side. Here's your test. You're versing the team that's, what, 24 straight regular season wins now. So huge game coming up. So I can't wait to see that one. Is Latrell back next week as well? He is. He's back. He's back. So Josh Mansour and Latrell look like they're back next week. So starting to get some truth back. So it should be be a good game. So we've got Eels and Manly and then um, Souths versus Penrith. Yeah, we didn't really have a marquee game this week as we've kind of gone through these games. It hasn't been really that like outstanding game on paper that you thought was going to be an outstanding game. Mm. We've kind of left, we've got two of those next week. So should start seeing more of those marquee matchups coming up and, you know, really starting to shape the season. We'll move on to the last game on Saturday, guys. It was the Sydney Roosters 30 defeating the North Queensland Cowboys 16. Te- uh, Ryan, you can start because you're the teddy man in our group. Drafted in first overall. Bit of a struggle to pick who your captain was this week, but you ended up going with the number one man and he did not disappoint. How did you see this one going, mate? Oh, man. It was finally good to see Teddy get a try. Oh, <laughs> try assist, you know, play a good game. You know, he's, you know, I've captained him a few times and he's burnt me with under 100. So, no, it's good. It's good to finally see Teddy, you know, um, have a good game for once. You know, he had a few rough games where he got knocked out and then he, you know, he had the concussion and they sat him out for a week. So, you know, it's good. Um, I thought the Roosters, you know, they played well. Um, the Cowboys actually played played really well as well. You know, they're getting, um, getting some form, you know, 
compared to the beginning of the season, they're playing a lot better. But, you know, you, with Tedesco there and Lock and Lamb coming back, you know, what can you do? Also, I think Victor Radley, he had a really good game. Actually, everyone, you know, the whole Roosters team played really well. Like even Tupo on the wing, he went in for some really tough carries and he made a lot of meters. Uh, I think he scored quite well on Supercoach as well. And um, yeah, you know, overall, it was actually a quite a good game to watch. Um, a lot of back and forth, but, you know, the class of the Roosters at the end got them through. Yeah, it was one of those ones where the Roosters, a lot of players had their best game, but you can also say about the Cowboys. It was a very entertaining game to watch. Johnny, from your side, you know, Ryan made a good point. We had a chat and we we're talking about, you know, Sam Walker and Teddy just haven't really clicked yet. You know, you got two superstars of the game where, you know, give them an off season and give them some reps together. Potentially next season, the Teddy, Kiri and Walker combination could be outstanding moving forward. Oh, that would be a scary sight, wouldn't it? Um, you know, Teddy, he, he really stepped up this game because, you know, there's been talks. Um, Ryan, you said it there that, you know, he's had a few weeks where, because Teddy's been so consistent for so long, you know, when, when he dips a bit under his usual 10 out of 10 standards, people will start wondering, you know, who's the best fullback in the game. But I think he just, you know, gave, gave the finger to everyone in rugby league and saying, look, I'm, I'm still the big dick here. You know, he's still <laughs> the best fullback uh, in the league. Um, Sam Walker and Kiri, if they were... If they were to you know, link up next season, oh, that's, that's going to be a scary sight because this Roosters team, um, you know, whoever you put into that jersey, they'll do a job for you. That's you know, that's a Robbo coach side. Um, so going to next season, you know, they're going to have a very scary uh, one to seven there. Yeah, hundred percent. And Ryan, going back to the Cowboys, you did mention it. They did play well. Tom Malolo, who was probably one of their best last week, had a quietish game. Did did do well, but. This was more of a Scott Drinkwater show. He re-signed uh, last week and, you know, he's his son. to really put some good performances together. Valentine Holmes, we talked about it at fullback. He's finding a home. So Todd Payton's now starting to get some performances out of this side. Do you think this is a side that can push for a top eight spot or do you think they're going to nestle, you know, around that 10 to 13 range on the ladder and just kind of consolidate for next season and put a good, good effort in? Yeah, I think it's going to be the latter. You know, they're getting better and better week by week, but... I don't think they're good enough to hit the top eight. There's other sides that I think, you know, are better than them just to squeeze into those spots. Um, but yeah, like, you know, um, Todd Payton has got, got this team going. Uh, the combinations are getting better and better every week. Uh, Tom Malolo is back for a second week or third week. So, you know, he's going to warm up to the task and, you know, they're, they're getting better. So I think not top eight, but I think they're going to be hovering around that maybe 10 to 13 mark. Yeah, 100%. Move on to the first game on Sunday. It was my Parramatta Eels 34, defeating the New Zealand Warriors 18. In a pretty open affair, uh, there was the only game this week that didn't have a sin bin or a send-off. So two pretty disciplined sides that kind of read the rules and were able to execute them pretty well. Um, I'll, I'll start up here as the Parramatta fan. Everyone knows I'm a little bit conservative. And, you know, I didn't think this was a potential trap game. Um, you know, talk about Reed Marnie may not play. He did get through this one and got through unscathed. But, you know, this was a good 55-minute performance for us. We did, like, you know, let them slip in the end. And, you know, the boy Reese Walsh came on, our crush um, just came on and really put on a bit of a show in that last half. But Cutest boy in the league. uh, Cutest boy. He's, you know, he's stolen my heart. (laughs) You know, I've watched him today against the team just carve us up. So he's outstanding. We'll talk about him in a second. But I'm really happy this Parramatta side. Ryan did mention it. We've won nine of our first ten. We're rounding some good form. 
I can't wait to see us versus Manly next week. It's a form side. We can really stamp our authority and say that this is, you know, a season to, that's different to others. Um, but let's start with you, Johnny. This Warriors side, let's go from a Warriors perspective first. Inconsistency is still the challenge for this side. One week can look very, very good the next week, you know, just get outplayed. And, you know, they have got some injuries. They've got Fanua Blake coming back soon. But is this now time where we say Reese Walsh is the one and RTS you're moving to the wing for the next for the rest of the season? Or what, what needs to happen here? Because that last 45 minutes that he played, you can't keep him off the field. Man, I hope not from a super coach perspective. Um, but with RTS on the wing, um, look, I don't think... Uh, I don't know if moving your best player to the wing is the right option, but I agree that, you know, um, Reese Walsh, he needs to be in there because once he he inject, he was injected to a game, the Warriors team completely flipped. You know, they started wrestling back the momentum. Um, I don't think the Warriors played terribly. Like, you know, they generally do try to... Um, yeah, hold on to ball, have high completion rate, but just the way Paris started, you know, they the Warriors were suffocated. They pretty much had all the possession the first, you know, 20, 30 minutes where they just were running through the, the motions, really. Um, you know, hit up, hit up, try. It was, it was just, um, yeah, I think it was more reflective of how Paris started more so than the Warriors playing bad, I think. Yeah, and Ryan, we talked about, you know, a lot of these Simbins and send-offs control the game and swung games, but this one obviously didn't have one of those, but it was more about the possession. We spoke about it in our group chat. It was kind of going off saying this Warriors defense and, you know, some of their attacking plays just wasn't there. And it does show you that a 20-minute period in the game can really just cost you a game because mm. that's the consistency that you need. You need to play for 80 minutes because if you switch off against some of these good sides, it can be over before you even blink. Yeah, 100%. You know, I watched... I watched this whole game. Um, you know, I had high hopes for the Warriors. I tipped them last week, actually, and I was a bit critical of the Eels. But, you know, the Eels, you know, they played well. Um, Mitchell Moses stood up. And um, the Warriors, they just started really, really bad. Um, in, like, I think I saw the stats. They had two out of five completions. And then the Eels had nine out of ten. You know, they had cheap turnover of the possession, and the Eels just capitalized on that. Um, you know, after that, the 24th minute, I think like after the first quarter, they, you know, they settled in, but the damage was already done. Um, you know, credit to the Eels. Nathan Brown, massive game. You know, he's really influential on that um, that back rower spot. And um, yeah, the Warriors, you know, they can only blame themselves. Even Tuovasa Shek, he didn't have a great game. You know, qu- quite a few dropped balls, you know. And back to the point, um, Reese Walsh, I think he needs to be in the starting side. Uh, maybe consider moving Cody Nikarima to the hooker spot, Reese Walsh to six with um, Chanel Harris-Tavita. And then you have Roger Tuovasa-Shek still in number one. Um, and then maybe you can tweak that during the game, you know, if anything happens. But yeah, I still have hope for the Warriors. You know, they've got, they've, this is the Warriors every year. They've got the skill, but it's just, they, they cannot play consistently in that. Like Johnny said, they're about the high completion rates. I think they had a game with the Dragons and they completed 95%, but you know, to have the first two out of your five sets, you know, th- I mean, the first uh, yeah, out of five sets, only two complete, you know, that's not, you know, you're not going to win anything. And that's why they had, what, 24 points scored against them. And yeah, <laughs> it's their own fault, to be honest. Yeah, and Parma did exactly what I thought they would. This was Mitch Moses show really controlling, let J- letting Jacob Arthur warm into the game. You know, Arthur was able to put some high bombs up, clearing kicks out of his own end ran the ball a couple of times like he did in uh, New South Wales Cup. So, you know, we should be able to weather 
this Dylan Brown suspension for two more weeks. Uh, if you're a para fan, you just want to kind of get to round 13. That we're obviously playing that buy round. If we can, you know, that's a versing on Newcastle side that should be pretty depleted with no Ponga, no Frazel. So if we can get to that round 13 by, you know, be 11 and 2, you know, we may drop that Manly game, but if we can get to 11 and 2, you know, and start working to that back into the season as a Parramatta fan, I can't ask for anything more than that because Johnny said it best. You know, your team can lose, but if, you, if there's effort there, then you're, you're okay to see them, you know, you're not going to win every game unless you're the Panthers, it looks like. But if you can, you know, put in good performances and, you know, put in a, a good effort, just don't give the game away like we did with that Dragons game. It's all I want to see for, as a Parramatta fan. Um, but going back quickly to the Warriors, I don't think that they're totally lost, you know, like Ryan said, options to move Nick Greenberg into the nine, Shaq to the wing. There's different things that Nathan Brown can do. You've got Adam Fanil Black coming back in, who's their forward leader. So there's definitely some options here. So they'll be sniffing around that eight, I'm pretty sure. Uh, Parramatta looks like they're going to keep rolling to try and lock up a, a top four, which looks very vital this season. So a good game had, you know, it was a pretty exciting game, you know, that early jump by the Eels, but then the comeback by the Warriors. Um, but yeah, I think the biggest one in this one, how you saw this game go with no Simmons and no send-offs, this is the type of game we're going to be seeing for the next couple of weeks while this uh, the head highs get taken out of the game because still free-flowing, still lots of big hits and contacts in this game and no, no send-offs and Simbins. So I think that's exactly what Andrew Abdo and Peter Valandis wanted to see in this game. This was the type of game they wanted to see in Magic Round. Yeah. And I guess with Parrot Eels, you know, as a Parrot fan in the past few seasons, it's you're probably not worried about how you start the season. It's more about how you end the season, right? I mean, you know, you always start... I mean, last season, you were undefeated for half the season there. And then you, you guys always seem to fade out. So hopefully Brad Arthur's got you guys humming towards the end of the season, not at the start. Yeah, 100%. I know Ryan, Ryan's the Dragons fan here, and they were the kings yeah. of the hot start for many a seasons under Mary McGregor. So, you know, we, we, it's, it, it's a team of thing where you just got to... You have to go through a couple of those seasons, you know. that they, they were riding very high. They were the only team to beat the Panthers last year in the regular season. And we walked into Penrith Stadium, like I said last week, and we just got demolished and it never came back. So, you know, like you said, humming at the right times of the season, getting wins under the belt when you can, that's exactly what you want to do um, as a team moving forward. Move on to the next game, the second last game of the round. It was the Melbourne Storm 44, defeating the St. George Illawarra Dragons 18. Ryan, you're the Dragons fan. I'll let you take the floor here. This was a Melbourne Storm whitewash, but it didn't look like that way early on. The Dragons really held in and even, you know, it was only even when I think they had eleven men on the field, they were still within a within a score. So how do you see this game from your boys? Um, well the end result actually, you know, what we predicted, you know, thumping by the storm, but um not the way that we thought it would, you know, eventuate. Um the Dragons held on for the first half quite well. And I think the send-off had a huge influence again on this game. You know, it's just the fatigue that sets in when you have 12 players on the field. The players can't keep up with such a fast game that we have, you know, you, and against the Storm, you just can't do it. But I know I'm really proud as a, I guess, as a Dragons fan, you know, we were 14 to 10 at halftime. Um, for me, really, like I said in the podcast, um, the last podcast with you, Jack Bird um, was playing really well for the Dragons. And once again, he had a big game, um, you know, this week. Um, it was unfortunate Duffy got injured. 
But, you know, with him on the field, you know, he was playing really well. Um, I think we would have had the lead if it wasn't for, you know, um, Cody Ramsey just getting on the line on the, on the left-hand side. But, yeah, I think overall the Dragons played well, but unfortunately the fatigue set in in the second half and we were outclassed by the Storm. Yeah, and Johnny, two huge injuries, Ryan just alluded to them. So Matt Dufty looks like an AC joint. He's going to spend at least two to three weeks on the sideline, initial reports. But the big one, obviously, in our super coach matchup, uh, Ryan Pappenhausen, heavy concussion. Uh, and that was the second send-off of the round. Uh, what was your thoughts on the tackle by uh, Fumaono? It was obviously late. It was high, direct contact to the head, like they said. Um, these, are the, these are the tackles we want to set, we want to stamp out of the game. Yeah, I mean, um, you know, at the start of Magic Round, we were we weren't sure what's, what was going to go on with you know Sinbin and send off, but I feel like towards the end of the round, we knew what was a send off, and that was clearly a send off. Um, today's Herman Essay Essay, you know, if he hasn't seen the past seven games to know what was a send off, you know, I was just stupid coming out with a clothesline there. Um, yeah, so these are yeah exactly what you said. This is the type of stuff we want to get out, all the stupid stuff. Yeah, and you know, from a from a super coach perspective, we'll talk a little bit at the end. I just want to save ten minutes at the end of the podcast just to have a bit of rants because I know, obviously, used two winners are grinners, but I've got a lot to get off my chest very quickly. <laughs> but That's first win in how many weeks for me? <laughs> but yeah, it's just one of those things. Like you know, a player like Pappenhausen, you know, he was three weeks on the sideline, and you know, a main attraction for the Magic Ground fans, and he had taken out like a tackle like that, you know. And, you know, I was jumping up and down in the, my lounge room with Dave, just screaming when Otokago is over. Then all of a sudden you hear on the, you know, you hear Brandy on the commentary going, oh, no, Pappenhausen hasn't moved. And you're going, you, you, you stop jumping up and down, you're going, what's going on? And then <laughs> you see you see the shot and you're going, well, that, that's exactly what we want to get out of the game. You know, the Tyson Gamble slaps over the face. We can, we, you know, we can live with those and they'll eventually, you know, go back to the way they were, but. Uh, Fumo, I know, you know, he doesn't look like a dirty player at all. It just looks like he got in late, couldn't pack out of it, and just laid, laid the shot on. He's gone. He'll get a suspension, and we move on. But, yeah, from, from a Melbourne Storm side, no Munster, no Pappenhausen, no uh, Brendan Smith, no Harry Grant. Still put 40 on, um, you know, Nico Hines, you know, Jerome Hughes. These are the guys that just run through the middle and they do all the damage. So Melbourne's just going to be... Me and Ryan talked about it, Johnny, on the on our preview podcast, Panthers versus Melbourne part two. It seems like it's all about written in the stars because we saw the two performances today. Like it's going to be such a tall order for anyone to walk into Amy Park or Blue Bet Stadium and, you know, steal, steal a victory before the grand final, isn't it? Yeah, that's right. You know, injuries pending, barring any um, injuries. Um, you know, these two teams at full strength. Um yeah, it's, it's going to be a tall order to get over them because they seem to be doing what other teams aren't doing as clinically at the moment. It's just, you know, putting the throat, um, you know, putting the foot down on the throat and just going away with the wind. They're putting, you know, scores of 40, 50 on teams. And, um, you know, as opposed with the other teams in the competition, you see if they get out to a, a score like the Rabdos, they still let the other team get back in. Yeah, 100%. We move on to the last game of the round. It was the Penrith Panthers 48 defeating the Gold Coast Titans 12. Johnny, the floor is yours. The Supercoach King, the new record, 246. Three tries, two assists, six line break assists, 
what else am I missing? Like an incredible game from Nathan Cleary. Yeah. Um, Nathan Curry, I mean, even this even exceeded my expectations. You know, I knew that, you know, coming up against the Titans, they aren't known for their defensive um, prowesses. But yeah, to put Nathan Cleary scoring a hat trick, and he was pretty much, and I think he had a, like a, um, there was a try that was disallowed as well. He was just, uh, he, he really is, I think, um, the best player in the game at the moment. He's just so competitive, so tough. Um, I, look, I hope, you know, last season he didn't win the State of Origin. He didn't win the Dalian. He didn't win the Grand Final. I hope all, all, the, all the stars are lined for him this season because he's just playing out of his skin at the moment. Yeah, and Ryan, they talked to him in the post-match. I think Fletch and Hindy uh, came in and they were saying, barring another TikTok episode, he might <laughs> be easily going to be running away with the Dalian here. Is it's a very good point Johnny's made. Is he the best player in the game? And is if he keeps his form up, is he a lock for the Dalian? Yeah, I think, yeah, he is the best player in the game at the moment. Um, you know, the next player I would say is Tommy Turbo. Um, what he's done at Manly, you know, they were going so, so bad in the beginning, but then he's turned that team around. Maybe most influential would be Tommy Turbo and the best player in the game. Most consistent would be uh, Nathan Cleary. In terms of Dally M, yeah, you know, what, who, who wouldn't give him three points you know, to today's performance? If you could give him more, you'd be giving him a lot more. But yeah, 100%, he's probably in the lead. Um, Latrell Mitchell was the other one, but he can't be, uh, I think he gets some points taken from him. Yep. Um, Tommy Turbo started late, so he probably won't catch up to him. And yeah, I think he, yeah, I think he'll get the Dally M if he continues the way he's going, barring injury. Yeah, yeah and I mean... You're, you're our perfect. No, I was just going to say. <laughs> uh, no, I was just going to say, just as a fan, just watching him play, he looks like he just has you know, the game on a string at the moment. He's just, the way he kicks so precisely, all his fifth tackle options, it's, it's just a pleasure to watch. And I'm not just saying that as, you know, the owner in our draft competition, he, he, him and the Panthers team, is just really a joy to watch. Yeah, one more Panthers uh, note here. They put 48 on pretty comfortably and, you know, they had all that success. A very quiet game from Jerome Luai and Brian Toa, two of their probably three best players this season. They were still able to rack up points and look so dominant. Ryan, from the Gold Coast side here, you know, I, I was talking to a couple of boys um, as I'm watching the game. I think we probably overhyped the Titans too much this year. You know, they, we had some, they had some great signings and, you know, a lot of people penciled them in for the top eight. But, you know, they had a good end of the season last year, but it's 26 rounds is a long time in this NRL competition and you've got to really be consistent throughout. Do we need to give them at least another year or can, do you think they can kind of turn it around in the back end of the season and get some consistency going and make a top eight spot their own? I think they're a bit um, hot and cold. Like you said, they're a bit inconsistent. Um, they might be able to sneak into the eight, um, you know, seeing how they play. They did have no David Fafida today, but I don't think today was, you know, anyone who played them would have lost the way they played. You know, it's not something to compare yourself against. Um, but I think, I think, yeah, they, they, they need to sort of get some consistency. Uh, I'm not sure what's happening with their halves, Ash Taylor. Um, and it seems like they're relying a lot on David Fafida. So I think another year, you know, maybe next year, they'll be, you know, a better, a better team. Once those combinations start gelling, it's the first time that Tino and David Fafida have joined this year. So you know, it takes time. 
So that's all the eight games, guys. We went through them there. Let's just do a very quick Super Coach recap. Obviously, our our group chat has been going off um, this weekend. There's been some huge performances. There's been some some big wins, like you said, Ryan. You got back in the winner circle this week, Johnny. You're now two wins clear in the top of the ladder. Let's start with the King Nathan Cleary. So obviously, two hundred and forty six. So let's just, I want to make a couple of points here because uh, he's only 60% owned in classics. Let's go from a classic perspective. So it's 40% of teams out of the 110,000 teams that don't own Nathan Cleary. Don't know what you're doing there, but okay, let's... let's Delete the app. (laughs) Delete the app. There's four people this week who traded out Nathan Cleary to bring in Tyson Gamble. Again, delete the app. Don't know what you're doing there. (laughs) Now, this, this group of people is me. I had Nathan Cleary. I had the vice captaincy on Tom Turbo, had the captaincy on Cleary, and today at about two o'clock, I got the jitters. I said, you know, these these sin bins, he might get a head knock, whatever it is. <laughs> so I've taken the seat off Cleary. I've looped him for Turbo, who's got two hundred and forty as a captain. Most weeks you take two forty and run with it, but when the when the guy who had the captaincy on has four hundred ninety two, with the chance to upgrade to five hundred, it kind of ma- makes a little bit sour. So. My score of, of thirteen hundred this week is probably going to drop me a couple of thousand. You'd think so. It's a tough old game, Super Coach. I was talking to the boys and saying, you know, I can't watch a game, you know, and just enjoy the game anymore because I'm always just screaming, going, pass it to him or don't don't let him score because that Panthers game was brutal. <laughs> Watching Cleary <laughs> just run away and score, absolutely brutal, boys. Yeah, with Super Coach, it, it's as much luck as it is skill, isn't it? Um, but yeah, I. Jeez, oh, watching that as a Nathan Cleary owner with the captain on, jeez, it was just it's been such a hands good game behind to watch my back. <laughs> oh, yeah, seeing him hit, hit a hat trick. I mean, every single game this season, he's just been so consistent. I think his lowest score might be like seventy odd. So look, I, I'm gonna you know ride this Panthers wave all the way to the finals for me. Yeah, and like you said, luck is a huge thing. You know, the draft we talk about all the time. You don't win the comp on draft night. You can. You know, get a very good start, but you know you got to tweak your side and you got to make trades. Uh, Ryan, obviously, you had the first pick in our draft. There's been some, you've had some injuries, you've had some form things, but you look at some of the guys that you picked up in trades and waivers. You know, this week you had Crossland, Saab, you traded for uh, to Powell, you picked up Harry Nera. You know, there, there's some things that you've done in your side. You know, you got Reese Walsh on your bench. Just shows you that the team that you draft on draft night is not going to get you there. And you know, you could have a you know, me and Johnny were prime examples. We, I think we were both 5-0 and this year and last year. Last year, you didn't make the finals. I only made it to the semi. Uh, so Ryan's right down the bottom of the comp right now, but a couple of wins, you're back into the six. So this, this funny old game that we play that, you know, and we, I'm sitting there trying to calculate the stats in my head when something happens. I'm going, okay, that's 20 points and then 10 for a line break. <laughs> At the end of the day, as long as you're trading well and, you know, you're not resting on your team, it just shows that this is a this is a game that can treat you well or it can hurt you because eight forty five in a draft comp you take that most weeks but then when the guy scores nearly twelve hundred against you and wipes you for and against <laughs> it makes it pretty sad. Yeah, man. Yeah. You know what? What can you do? What can you do about it? You know, sometimes you just got to appreciate Nathan Cleary's four hundred ninety two. But Leah, like you said, um, the draft isn't you know one on the draft night. It's one through the trades. You know, I had number one draft Teddy, but 
you know, what happened to Kiri, you know, has really sort of ruined my season. You know, I always keep thinking if Kiri didn't do his ACL, I still reckon I would be near the top because everyone else is performing well. It's all about that gun player. You get that, you know, if you have Nathan Cleary, you know, scoring, you know, 200, 300 versus someone who captains, someone who only gets 150, that's an extra 150 points a week. Huge difference. Um, but yeah, I'm really happy with the sub pickup. Um, also, the money to power trade. Thank you very much. Yeah. They played a really good game. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think, um, you know, I sit, even though I'm sitting on the bottom of a ladder, I, and I think my team is starting to, sh- you know, get better. Um, you know, I picked up Lomax from Anthony. Yep. So, you know, and I have Brandon Smith. So that'll be good coverage for um, Origin period. And Reese Walsh, you know, hopefully the Warriors start to play him through, you know, into the starting side. And then I can have coverage for. Tedesco so we'll see we'll see how it goes but I you know hopefully I've turned you know turned it around a bit you know sitting on the bottom of a ladder isn't yeah great yeah but I guess like it's Johnny we're gonna we're past round 10 now so we'll be doing our round our five round check-in to talk about all the scores and things but you kind of just I'm looking before we take into today's games in account I'm looking at the top 10 and you know kind of think roughly where they were drafted so you have Fafita who was drafted in the first round Papali'i was drafted in the last round. Cleary, first round. Gutho, second round. To'o, third round. Luai, second round. Marnie, sixth round. Sheck, third round. Brett Morris, sixth round. Braley, tenth round. So, again, the, the guys who you thought, you know, they would be there and drafted in the first round, it's all about, you know, moving off when you need to move off, making trades when you need to make trades. And we'll talk about it in that, in that pod, Johnny, but, yeah, it's just like a... I always say, you know, it's stressful and, you know, sometimes it's shit because you, you get smashed or, you know, you're waiting for updates on Monday. But when you've got the group chat flowing and, you know, the you're trying to talk to everyone every week to try and make trades and, you know, I've been talking to Ryan all year about Tino. Just saying. Oh, finally <laughs> got Tino off me. Getting interest and, you know, it's a risk because, you know, on my pre-draft board I had Tino as the third best prop and I'm like, Let, let's get him in. So th- that's what I love. You know, you talk to the boys and, all the guys that come on this podcast are all in that group chat and, you know, we talk every week. So we'll go in a bit more in depth, you know, when we do our, our breakdown, but yeah, it's, it's a funny old uh, fake game that we all play. Oh, it's a great game. Oh. One more thing, actually, I think the Sinbeans and the Sendos are going to have a huge impact on the super coach, not just like, no. you know, that player got Sinbean, but if this player gets sent off, you know, those getting those big scores, you know, those, 50 50 to 6 or something you know if you get a send-off you know 12 12 versus 13 you know you, those players in those teams they get more um you know they're just going to score a lot more tries and the the 12 players on the field they're going to play you know more minutes so it has a huge impact on not just the player that gets him in but everyone else yeah yeah that's a great point oh um uh, I reckon the uh, the Tavita Pengai Jr. in our group will have second thoughts about captaining him <laughs> going forward. Eh? Yeah, I think Chris is going to have to chuck the seal on someone else because it's such a good point, Ryan. But like we, this is our third year of playing uh, draft now, and you know, back in the back in our first season, if I got one twenty from my captain, I'm happy. If you get sixty from your captain, you're going, what a great like. Okay, I got double yeah. points. I've got one hundred and twenty, like hundred <laughs> amazing, hundred and forty, outstanding. Now you look at it and your captain doesn't get, you know, 180, 190, 200, you're, you're in trouble. Like, you know, you're, you're, you're in trouble for getting, getting pipped by the guy who, and like you said, perfect example in that Melbourne game, you know, if let's say Papanazan doesn't play, he was close, 
I would love to see on Nico Hines, who versed 12 men and got 160. So, mm. like, yeah, it's going to be huge because and not only does that allow people to get like that, Fuamono finished with a minus seven today. So anyone who played Fuamono in a classic round or, you know, in deep drafts, you're basically, you're better off not, like, not even having the player play. So Yeah, exactly. It's going to be huge because, you know, like Johnny said, I think it's going to be at least another couple of weeks where we see consistent sin bins and send-offs because some of these players mm. won't get it. You know, the good coach play- teams, like, you know, your Roosters, your Panthers, your Melbourne, Bellamy, Cleary and Robbo will get that out of the game straight away. You know, there might be one or two more, but that's it. But some of these other ones, you know, there's going to be a couple more games where they're playing with 11 men. And during those games, you know, it could be one-way traffic. And if you are lucky enough to have the back line or a couple of wingers of one of those teams, then you'd be ripe for another 1,100 score in your in your draft comp. Yeah, it's, you're just going to have to see. It's just going to be huge, huge impact on, you know, the, the, the scoring of the team. So hopefully the players sort of iron those headshots, those high shots, dangerous tackles out. So then we sort of see more consistent, um, you know, uh, less in business stuff. So we have more consistent um, scoring. But until then, like you said, a couple of weeks, maybe we will see some, you know, unfair advantages when the team gets to 12 men. 100%. All right, boys, I think that will do it. Johnny, any last words for round 10 Magic Round? Uh, no, what I'm, I am looking forward to is our next podcast about the uh, round 10 uh, Supercoach review. Yeah. So it will be good to uh, just unpack everything. It will be the halfway point of a lot of people's seasons. And uh, let's face it, it will just be for me gloating. <laughs> I was going to say, it's, it's nice to talk when you're, when, you're first, when you're coming first in the comp. Ryan, any last words for you for round 10 Magic Round? Uh, not really. I think the magic round overall was great. Um, having all the teams playing in the same venue, you know, three games in a row was great for the game. I think I saw Toby, Toby Rudolph say in the interview, you know, they should have a few more, one of them in like, you know, Perth or something and then, um, New Zealand or something like that. So expanding the game more. And I, you know, personally as a fan, I enjoyed watching three games in a row in the weekend. And, you know, it'd be great to be up there as well. So I think, yeah, the Magic Round overall was a success. It was just a matter of the uh, the rule changes this round. But overall, I, yeah, I really enjoyed this round. Yeah, and oh, in, in saying that, I'm putting in our group chat right now, we're booking our Brisbane flight. Book it in. So, <laughs> Book it in. Um, I've just posted that in the group chat now. The message should come through now. Um, but, yeah, we'll, we'll, be there, we'll be there next year because like, like we all saw, you know, for, I think it was $99 to get a ticket in this, this, and that's for every single game. You can walk in and out, 120,000 fans through the three days. I yeah. think it looks like a, um, a footy fan's dream. So we'll definitely be uh, organizing the, you know, we've got a couple of guys in England, but I think all of our Australian guys can make it over by then. So we should be able to get get up to Suncorp, go to the Caxton, see Alfie and have a couple of beers. Sounds great, man. I'm looking forward to it. Oh. Book our tickets, get the hotel. It'll be a good one. Awesome. And we'll be celebrating Parramatta's grand final victory in 2021. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be flying, flying, boys. All right, we'll leave it there. Thanks for coming on, Johnny. Thanks for coming on, Ryan. You guys have been great as always. Thanks, mate. It's been a pleasure. No worries. Thanks for listening, guys. Have a great day and talk to you soon. Cheers.